church. Let's welcome those who are joining us for the first time. And if you're watching online or listening on podcast, it's so great to have you here. And we just want to say, if you are ever in the beautiful Kapiti Coast, we would love for you to join one of our services. And if the teaching has blessed you in any way, do write and let us know. Church, can we say a big hello to those who are <laughs> joining us online? I'm starting a new series today. It is called Taking Control of our lives, taking control of our lives. And I'm going to be preaching. I know Pastor Andre was here just a few weeks ago, and uh, I'm really going to be preaching some uh, things from this book, reading it. So it's quite an, a powerful book, and I think it just stirred some things in my heart, and I thought, man, it would be great to preach through some of the stuff that's in here. I've also added my uh, own stuff and own thoughts on the matter. But that's what we're going to do for the next three Weeks because it's a very important, I think, topic. A lot of people are living their lives out of control. So, how do we take control of our lives? John Maxwell, the great leadership teacher, he teaches not only to the Christian world but to the secular world at a big event where he was talking and preaching. And after he finished, a young person came up to him and said, Hey, uh, how, how do I get to lead? How do I get to? you know, fast track this. What can I do to, I want to lead people. I want to, I, I want to really take this whole leadership thing to, an, uh, to the next level. And John Maxwell turned around and said to him, first start by leading yourself. Before you can lead other people, we have to start with leading ourselves. We have to take control of our lives. Jack Welch said this, control your own destiny or someone else or something else will. It's important that we take control of our lives. I was listening to an interview this week between Stephen Furtick and T.D. Jakes, and one of the things that the great preacher T.D. Jakes said was, we have to be the CEO of our own lives. We have, it doesn't matter who you think your boss is or whatever it is. We have to be our own CEO. We need to be the ones who, who lead our lives. Now, I know you might be here and say, well, pastor, aren't we to let the big G God control our lives and, you know, you, you say, Pastor, He's either Lord of all or not Lord at all. Aren't, isn't God the one who is meant to control our lives? And the answer is yes and no. Yes and no. We're to be obedient, of course, to His voice, to His leading, to His guiding through His, his Word. As we open His Word, we're to be obedient and live our lives out of yet that but yet, at the same time, we are, through His Word, given freedom. We are, through His Word, given the freedom to choose, the freedom of choice, the freedom uh, to make decisions, the freedom to choose to follow or not to follow. So the answer is yes and no. I think sometimes Christians are, are confused that sometimes when they're walking through pack and save and, oh, Lord, what shall I eat this week? Should it be Krusty Crunch or Punny Puffs? Which one, Lord, do you? And then God's like, I don't care. Which one? I mean, some Christians live like that. It's like, it's like you know, every decision has got to be, shall I turn left or shall I turn right? God's like, I don't care. Come on. God allows us to have the freedom of choice. It's a very important thing to understand. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. It says this, And God said, Let us make man in our image, and in our likeness. And, and, and 
other words, let's make man like we are, with the ability to choose, with the ability to decide, with the ability to rule, with the ability to reign. He said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And then he says, and let them, let them have dominion. In other words, let them rule over, let them have power over circumstances and situations. In verse 1, verse 28, he said, let, it, let, let us subdue, speaking of subduing the earth, let them subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the heavens and all the animals that move upon the earth. He gave that to man, that dominion. In fact, God even said, you can name the animals. You can even name the animals. I'm not going to think it, think it off. And of course, he started, Adam, with great gusto, naming the animals. Oh, let's go, rhinoceros. That's, oh, that's cool. Hippopotamus. Let's call that a hippo. Of course, as it went on, he got tired. What should we call that? Zzz, oh, fly. It flies. So let's just call it a fly. But God gave man the choice and the ability to make decisions. God has given us, you and I, the responsibility to take control of our lives, of ourselves, and of the world that we live in. And can I say this? It's actually, this is important, it actually is a spiritual thing to take control of your life. It is a spiritual thing to take control of our lives. If you're here today and you say, well, I just want to flow by the Spirit paths. I just want to go where it blows and where the wind blows and uh, that's where I want to flow and all that type of thing. If that's how you think, if that describes you, consider Galatians chapter 5. Verse 22 and 23, where Paul the Apostle, in fact, when describing what is called, you would see the chapter is titled, Living by the Spirit. Living by the Spirit. Life by the Spirit looks like this in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit, the outcome, the evidence of the Spirit's work in your life, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and look, this last but not least, self-control. Self-control. In other words, the Scripture is saying the ability to control self in a selfie-centered, just-do-it world bears all the hallmarks of a fruitful, spirit-led life. You've got to understand, too, control oneself, to take control of one's life is a spiritual thing. It's a spirit thing. It's a God thing. It's very important for you to understand that. Dr. Henry Cloud said this, people have a need to be in control of their own lives and they have a need to know that God is behind the idea. Now I'm going to tell you, it's a God thing. God is behind that idea. And not only is he behind it, he points to it as evidence of a spirit-filled life. Now, we know in life there are many things. In fact, most things are beyond our control as much as we want, as much as we try to control things. Many things are beyond our control. And we do have to realize that, of course, for our own mental, spiritual, and emotional health. We have to realize that you and I are not God. It's a good place to say amen right there. You, you and I are not God. We cannot control. You and I cannot control the universe. We can't control it. 
We, we can't even control the smaller universe of our work or our, our school or what happens around. We can't even control that. We can't even really control our lives and what happens in church. In fact, I think it was Paul. I can't remember if it was Paul or Peter, but one of them said, we, we can't even sort out what's happening tomorrow. It might have been Jesus. I can't remember. I'm not in control of it. But he's like, I, I, you, yeah, I just dropped it. You know, dropped the mic. But we, we can't even control what's happening tomorrow. We can't even, you, you know, it's like we don't even know what's going to happen with our lives tomorrow. We can't control those things. But we can control ourselves. So understand that this series is not about what is outside of our control and trying to get it into our control. This is about taking control of our own lives. As Wayne Dyer said, you cannot always control what goes on outside, but you can control what goes on inside. See, because control never starts outside of our lives. It's always, as someone said, an inside job. It's got to start. We even sing about, oh, Lord, start, you know, do this work on me from the inside out. The war, the battle that you and I face is never from the outside. It is always from the inside. Uh, consider a those who have spent years in a Nazi concentration camp and the, the horrors that they went through and the, the, the terrible torture and the, the, the torment, the conditions that were just inhuman, the, the whole way that thing was for year after year, yet they came out of those environments sane. How did they do that? How did they come bearing all of the, the stuff that happened, bearing in mind people being burnt to death, all of these type of things, their families separated, uh, daughters from their mothers and fathers, and, and, and how did they come out of those things sane? How did they do it? Well, simply this, they decided that they would not be controlled by their circumstances. Viktor Frankl, who's a psychologist, but also a Auschwitz survivor, he said this. He said, when we are no longer able to change a situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. When we are no longer able to change a situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. So in this three-part series, we're going to look at one thing each week that we need to do. There might be many more, but we're only going to look at one thing each week that we need to do in order to move towards taking control of our lives. Tap your neighbor and say you're going to love it. The first thing we're going to talk about is give up the blame game. The second thing, which we'll do next week, is become a zero victim by choice. And the third thing we're going to talk about is learn the power of taking responsibility. But today we're going to look at give up the blame game. Number one, give up the blame game. So we live in a world where we are experts at playing the blame game. I, I, I think that's true. We live in a world where we are experts at playing the blame game. I was preparing this uh, this week, and uh, I went home during lunchtime to uh, eat some dal and uh, rice that my uh, lovely wife had cooked. And so as I went to the stove to get it, I had my plate here. 
and the dial was over here and as I do many times I started dipping in and getting the dial and moving it across while dropping large spots of dial all over the place. So my wife quickly identified that because she's always watching how much I'm eating and from a distance and she, she spotted it and she said, dear, what are you doing? What are you doing? You need to stop that. You're spilling it all over the place. I immediately, and I can't even remember because it was like I, I went into two zones. I immediately started going, going, oh, it's not my fault. I oh, can't help it. You know, it's just, a, and then I started thinking, I'm just doing what I've just been talking about in my sermon. I'm doing the blame game. I, of course, it's my fault. I'm dropping the food everywhere, but I can't believe it how easily we fit into the blame game. Can anyone else identify that? You're sitting next to someone who does that. Oh, you know, I mean, it's just, it's just how that you want to blame. Come on, we so easily can do that. See, we live in a world where there's lots of pointing of fingers. We always go, we point, but we forget there's three pointing back at us. Can I hear an amen? Where there's lots of pointing the finger, people blaming their woes, their problems on others, especially recently with the change of government and all that. Oh, it's the government's fault. It's the system's fault. It's society's fault. It's the rich people's fault. Oh, it's the poor people's fault. It's my parents' fault. It's everybody's fault but my fault. Good preaching right there. So we end up in crazy situations like a man who said, was said to have sued a, and I read about this a long time ago, a man who is said to have sued a clothing company when he burnt himself when he ironed his shirt while wearing it. He asserted that the manufacturer should have put a label on it that said, do not iron while wearing. Yeah, I told Neil, don't do that, let it go. In another case in New Mexico, USA, a 79-year-old lady named Stella Liebach and was initially awarded a sum of U.S. $2.8 million. She did not get that. Uh, in the end, she got only $600,000 U.S. dollars, but she was initially awarded the sum of U.S. $2.8 million after she sustained third-degree burns to the pelvic region after spilling coffee purchased from McDonald's drive through window. She had placed it in between her legs, and as she drove away, it spilt burning her legs quite seriously. She said that the coffee was too hot and won the lawsuit. Even the courts are looking for someone to blame. If we want to take control of our lives, we need to stop the blame game. Albert Ellis said this, The best years of your life are the ones in which... You decide your problems are your own. You cannot blame them on your mother, the ecology, or the president. You realize you control your own destiny. In the scriptures, Jesus was walking down the street when he saw a man who was blind from birth. His disciples asked him in John chapter 9, verse 1 through 3. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? In other words, whose fault is this? Whose fault is this? this? This dude's blind. Whose fault? Who sinned, this man or his parents, causing him to be born blind? Jesus said, and I'm speaking from the message version, Jesus said, you're asking the wrong question. You're looking for someone to blame. There is no such cause effect here. Look instead for what God can do. Jesus is like, you're asking 
the wrong question. You're, you're, you're getting involved in the blame game. You're saying, whose fault is this? You're looking at, who can I apportion blame to? And Jesus is saying here, that's not the right approach. I think we, we live in a blame culture, don't we? I think so. I think we blame tiredness, we blame stress, we blame studies, we blame our jobs, we blame whatever we, we can. We make excuses for ourselves and why we are like we are. In fact, not only that, we'll make excuses by, by comparing how good we are to how bad somebody else is. We excuse ourselves by saying, well, others are way worse than me. Insurance companies, of course, get lots of interesting excuses when people have accidents and try to blame the other people for what had happened uh, in their accidents. Here's a few of them. An invisible car came out of nowhere, struck my car, and vanished. <laughs> I love this one. This is a classic. Leaving home for work, I drove out of my drive straight into a bus. The bus was five minutes early. In other words, it's the bus's fault. I drove out of the drive. I mean, I usually I drive out of the drive every day, but the bus was five minutes. Most people would be happy that the bus was five minutes early, but he's like, no, 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 that's why it happened. It's not my fault. It's the, it's the bus's fault. Another one says this, I don't know who's to blame for the accident. I wasn't looking. Another one, as I reached the intersection, a hedge sprang up, obscuring my vision. <laughs> uh, I love this one. The telephone pole was approaching fast. <laughs> I attempted to swerve out of the path when it struck the front end. The pole's not moving. It, it, it didn't strike. You struck the pole. The pole did not strike you. This is probably my favorite. I collided with a stationary truck coming the other way. <laughs> excuses. Now, I, I know there are, there are sometimes really strange excuses. I don't know if I've, I think I have told this story, but we've got a really weird uh, uh, insurance story. My father, I remember in his work van, he was, had parked it on a hill. It was a Toyota Hyacinth, and he'd parked it on a hill. And it was in those days where the handbrake, you could pull it up, and all it, all it needed to turn it off was a flick. And it would uh, go in, and, and uh, away you could take off. And so, of course, uh, uh, my father's van had crashed. It rolled down the hill when the insurance company said, who was driving the vehicle? My father said, the dog. The dog was driving the vehicle. And that's because in the hill, on the hill where it was, Dad had left the dog, which was my dog that I left and went to India and said, can you look after him for 10 years? Um, and he took it. My, it was my dog. It's probably my fault in the end because it was my dog. But the, 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 the dog was in the car, and, and it was running around, of course, while Dad was doing the work on the hill. And, of course, it, uh, it flicked the brake off. When Dad saw the van rolling down the hill, picking up great momentum before it hit another vehicle, all he could see was the dog standing on the steering wheel <laughs> going, uh-oh, uh-oh. <laughs> so there are some crazy stories out there. But I want to tell you, making excuses in the blame game is nothing new. Genesis chapter 3, verses 8 through 13, it says, The man and his wife, speaking of Adam, not me, somebody else. The man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as 
he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man, where are you? He answered. I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, here it is. This is a classic. The woman you gave me. You. This is your fault, God, because this is the woman, this Sheila, this lady, this, this, this woman. You gave, I mean, I wouldn't have these problems if it wasn't for the woman you gave me. This is your fault. The blame game, there's nothing new about the blame game. Can I hear a good amen right there? I mean, it's just, it's how, son, the woman you put there, you put her there. She gave me some fruit from the tree. I was hungry, so I ate it. And the Lord said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, well, it's not my fault. The serpent, that serpent over there, he deceived me and, and we ate it. In fact, if you think about eating the fruit first sin, blaming was the second. They blame God and the devil for their situation. Oh, how many times do we do that? I don't know, why is God doing it? Well, the devil did it. The devil made me do it. Sounds like us for making excuses for dumb choices that we, and silly decisions that we make. Dwight D. Eisenhower said this, the search for a scapegoat is the easiest of all hunting expeditions. It's true. So this morning, I want to give you four reasons to give up the blame game. Four reasons to give up the blame game. Number one, blaming may get us off, but it never gets us ahead. Blaming may get us off, but it never gets us ahead. Robert Anthony said this, when you blame others, you give up your power to change. Accepting blame for stuff that we mess up actually results in us learning and growing and becoming better people. Book of James, you know, well, if you've been around the Bible for a while, tells us that when we face trials and testing, what it does is it actually develops perseverance that will lead to our own growth and and, and maturity and becoming better people. James 1 verse 2 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials. It doesn't say if you face trials. It says whenever you face trials of many kinds. They're going to come at you from many different angles. He says, because you know, and I would ask the question, I hope you know this, because you know that the testing of your faith produces Perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. Friend, we, we, we've got to understand this whole, whole thing. Blaming may get us, ahead, get us off, but will never get us ahead. It's very important that we, we, we get that. When you blame others, you give up your power to change because it's always somebody else's fault. When we say, no, this is on me, it allows God to develop our lives and build character. Oprah, the famous TV host, has had an extremely difficult life. She's a multimillionaire now, very successful person. But if you know her story, she was raped when she was young, molested, and 
abused, a, a sufferer of sexual abuse. She had a very difficult life. But she said this. She said, you are responsible for your life. You can't keep blaming somebody else for your dysfunction. Life is really about moving on. What do we need to move on from? See, blaming may get us off, but it will never get us ahead. Good preaching, Adam. Thank you very much. What's the second thing, second reason we need to give up the blame game? Simply this, blaming leads to an unhappy life. An unsatisfied life. What really makes people happy or satisfied with their lives? Amazingly, the secret, according to one study, lies in a person's ability to handle life's blows without blame or bitterness. God's desire for us is not that we get bitter, but that we get better. Can I hear an amen to that? So amazingly, the secret, according to one study, lies in a person's ability to handle life's blows without blame or bitterness. This was the conclusion of a study of 173 men who were followed, listen, since they graduated from Harvard University in the 1940s. This was a very long study. The study reported in the American Journal of Psychiatry noted that one potent predictor of a person's well-being was the ability to handle emotional crisis maturely without apportioning blame. How about that? Happy people don't play the blame game. You want to live a happy life? Stop blaming people for everything that's going on. Number three, the third reason we should give up the blame game is blaming damages relationships and gives others power over us. Blaming damages relationships. What does that mean? Well, simply this. No one wants to hang around people who are always blaming other people. I don't know if you, you, you know people like that. It's like that. It's not a very attractive thing. Well, all of this thing and that I'm going through is all because they did this and they did that and they did that. People, can I, can I just, people don't want to hang around. There's something that it's like, it's like mosquito repellent. It repels people. It turns people uh, uh, away. And I've said this scripture many times over, over the years, but it's such an important one that sometimes people don't get. The Bible says this, he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. If you're saying, man, nobody cares about me. Well, then start caring about other people. Start doing so. And that in and of itself will restore your soul. It will, it will do well in your life. But if you go around using the blame game and, you know, it's always somebody else's fault. People do not want to be around People like that. It's not because they're mean. It's not because people are nasty. It's not because people don't care. It's just there's something about living a life like that that repels people. Tap your neighbor and say, I better not do that. See, blaming damages relationships and gives power, gives others power over our lives. You know, when people blame all the time and never take responsibility for their own life. Basically, the people around them just feel like, the reason they don't want to hang, because you feel like you're attacked all the time. People just don't want to hang around that. Listen to this. Don't get insulted, but listen, a wife who always blames her husband for everything in their marriage will be a very unhappy 
person. Now, I could say a husband who always blames his wife for everything in their marriage will be a very unhappy person. Why? Because the one who has given her husband power over her happiness has a emotional control over her life. You're, you're, you're determining that that person out there, not what's going on, that situation or that person, or my husband, he's doing that, or my wife's always doing this, this type of thing. And, and, and because of that, I can't be happy. What you're doing is you're actually giving them emotional control. You're saying, that person is stopping me from being happy. I want to say it's not that person. It's that we've got to work on our own issues in our own lives. We've got to work together with one another to find solutions rather than blaming people all time. Why? Because blaming damages relationships. King Solomon said this, better a dry crust and peace than a house filled with feasting and conflict. The fourth reason to give up the blame game is blaming destroys our leadership potential. Blaming destroys our leadership potential. See, a person can be a brilliant strategist, a problem solver, an ideas person. They can be innovative. But if they keep blaming others for every situation, they will never rise. They'll never rise. When we look at people for church staff and working in these type of environments, we always look for competency, core, character, and chemistry. Some people can have the competency there. They can do their job really well. They can get it done, and, but they don't have the call. And so it's like, well, this is probably isn't for you. We, we, the character is really important. It's important that we have good character. But one of the biggest things for me is chemistry. If you don't have that chemistry, that inability to work as a team, that inability to work with others, to flow with what, and again, blaming others will mess up the chemistry. I love the environment that we have as a, church staff where we can sit and we can talk honestly and, and, and just go, you know, Pastor Adam, that's not working. Or, you know, you, you um, uh, said this or you did that or we've got this idea. No, Pastor Adam, I don't think it's going to work. And I can go back and them and just know we've, we've created an environment where, hey, look, if I just want to shift some things, you're not going to get offended. You're not going to go, well, it was their fault. No, 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 no. We don't have that environment. Because we can't rise in that environment. Again, the environment we've wanted to set, and Shane said it before, is an environment where we're, we're not doing this for me or for Anita or for, uh, for, for any other reason, but we want to do this to glorify God and to see people's lives changed and, and turned around. That's why we want to do it. And blaming others destroys your leadership potential. Because you can be competent. You can be a real smart person. You can be, oh, yeah, I'm really good at this and I'm really good at that and whatever. But, you know, when something goes wrong, it's all by somebody else's fault. Someone said this. Good leaders will take the blame and share the credit. Good leaders take the blame and share the credit. So today, as we come to a close, if... The blame game is something you 
play. You might say, oh, no, it's not me. Well, maybe ask someone who's close to you and say, do I, I mean, it's one thing for us to go, oh, no, I'm not like that. Why not ask someone close to you, do I play the blame? Blame game. Have a honest conversation and don't get upset by what they say. But if the blame game is something that you, you play, if we're to take control of our lives, why not work at stopping that today? Why not work at stopping the blame game? What have you been blaming for your lack of progress? What, what excuses have you been giving? What, what excuses have you been making? Let, let, let today be a day where we take control of our lives. And one of the course, the first ways to do that is to submit our lives to the Lordship of Christ to make sure He is Lord of our lives. Why? Because He formed us and fashioned us. He knows how we work best. He knows how, how He made us. He knit us together, the Bible says, in our mother's womb. This book, the Bible, is his instruction book for our lives. It tells us how to live and what to do and how if you do that, it ain't going to work out how you think it's going to work out. To live according to his, his Word, to allow His Word to speak into our lives. How do I know we have freedom? It's in His Word. How do I know He wants us to walk in a certain way? It's in His Word. Would you let this be the thing that leads and guides you? Would you allow His Holy Spirit in your life today? Maybe today your life is out of control. Maybe you've been living it your own way. I ask you in the next few moments, do you need to give your life over to Him and say, God, take control of my life. Be the King, not just a Savior, but Lord over my life. Could you bow your heads and close your eyes just in this holy moment? If you're here today and you go, well, Pastor, that's me. I'm far away from God. I, I've not let Him be Lord of my life. I've not allowed His Word to, to touch my heart. If you're here today and you say, man, I need to get my life right with God. It's the first and foremost thing you should do. I need to get my life right with God. You might be here and you might go, well, Pastor, you don't know how bad I am. I, I need to sort out a whole lot of stuff in my life. No, my friend, here's what you need to do. You need to give your life to Him. But you've tried to sort it out. We can't do it. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but the gift of God is eternal life. Friend, the gospel is not about how bad you are, but about how good He is. It's about availing of His sacrifice on the cross of Calvary. Because He who the Son sets free is truly free indeed. It's about saying, God, come and take control of my life. The Bible says He knocks on the door of our heart, and if we would open that door, He will come in. Do you sense Him knocking today? Do you sense Him knocking on the door of your heart? Well, this is your moment to respond. I'm going to say a prayer in a moment that says, Christ, come in. I can sense you knocking on the door of my heart. Christ, I want you to come in and lead my life. Will you be Lord of my life? I, I, I need to get right with you here today, God. 
I'm going to pray a prayer like that. And if you say to me today, Pastor, can you include me in that prayer? I want to ask you right now, if that's you and you want to be included in that prayer, would you just put your hand up wherever you are and say, that's me, Pastor. I need to get right with God. Thank you down the back there. Anyone else? Nice and high. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you over here. Anyone else? You know you need to get right with God here today. You need to sort your life out. Get right with Him. Anyone else? Just a few seconds more. Put those hands down. Let's all pray together. Lord Jesus, I come to you today, a sinner in need of a Savior. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me. Cleanse me. And today I invite you to be Lord of my life from this day forward. In Jesus' name, this I ask for eternity's sake.